Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Lunch Pail Podcast. Alongside Mike Nizolik, the Virginia Tech football beat writer for the Roanoke Times. This is Aaron McFarling, sports columnist for the Roanoke Times. Big win for the Hokies this past week. They've been building towards this, building towards this, building towards this, and they finally erupted in a decisive 36 17, is that right? 36 17. Over yeah. Wake Forest, a ranked Wake Forest team. Uh, that uh, didn't look all that great in this game, but the Hokies had plenty to do with that. We'll, we'll talk about that game. We will talk about Bud Foster Day. Uh, we will get into the running game, which is, was the topic of my column on on Monday. Um, expectations for the rest of 2019. Uh, and then we'll get into the Georgia Tech matchup this weekend and uh, do our pick three and get out of here with some predictions as we always do. Mike, um, we did a little video. We, our video was a little longer than usual after this game because there was plenty to discuss. But when you – I mean, both of us picked Wake Forest to win that game, despite all that we've said about the Hokies looking better and better and better. Um, what was the key to, to the decisive nature of that victory? Well, I mean – you know, I, I, we'll we'll talk about the defense, and 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 the defense just certainly deserves a lot of credit. Um, they had their hands full with Sage Surratt, uh, Jamie Newman, the quarterback for Wake, and that Kendall Hinton, Hilton, Hilton, Hinton or Hilton? I don't know. Hinton. Yeah, Hinton. Hinton. Um, easy for you to say. Um, is uh, it looked really good. Um, but I, I think it was all about Hinton and Hooker being healthy. Um, and and being in at quarterback for this team. It, it's just. Um, they found their guy, I think, and um, uh, were able to do whatever they wanted, um, set up a lot of things, you know, uh, started the game coming out with these short swing passes, kind of going left to right, um, dominating the size and opened up in the middle. Um, were able to run the ball, got everybody involved, um, and Wake really had no answer. Uh, you know, um, they ran about 10 minutes off the clock in the first quarter, and you thought – that's a pretty good sign, a pretty good start, because uh, one of the ways uh, you can limit a, a potent offense is by not giving them the ball. And they had a second drive like that that lasted seven minutes in the second quarter, ended up with field goals, and obviously you kind of, you know, you have, those are missed opportunities, um, but it just showed that they were moving the ball, and then, and then that led to points, and then it was over. Um, so I think, um, it, yeah, offensively this is a team where they're finally – Looking like the team we thought they'd be at the start of the season offensively. With you know, we thought they'd have a senior quarterback, thought they'd have some really good skill position players, and you know, maybe the offensive line would take a few weeks. Now the offensive line has that experience of two freshmen rotating a lot of guys and, and bullying people a little bit. And um I just thought it was as good of an offensive performance as we've seen. Uh, you know, I don't I don't know when the last time, you know, my two years here that they looked in that second half as good as they did. Yeah, they were pretty good in that Florida State game to open the season last year. Pretty pretty efficient in all phases of that game. But, yeah, I agree with you. The pieces have been there, and that's a really good point that you make, that this is the offense that we've been waiting to see because the pieces have been there. And now some have been unhealthy and some have been banged up. They needed a trigger man. They needed a trigger man that fit this system, and they've got him. And it's, it's you know, and who was it, uh, one of the players – um, was talking about the swagger. Trey Turner. Yeah, Trey Turner mentioned that when he gets when Hooker gets in the huddle, everyone just believes in him. You know, he, he's he's a talker. He's a yeah, everyone's on the same page in the, in the huddle. Winning helps. He's four and zero as a starter. So I mean, obviously you're going to feel pretty good uh, when you get in the huddle with him. But 
I don't know. He's just he's better than I thought he'd be. That's for sure. Uh, he's he's got a quicker release. He's you know he's you know he's I guess just more. I don't want to say you, you, I didn't think he'd more be of a intelligent. Com- That's I think not more of a it, complete player than you thought he'd come out of the gate as. Right, especially yeah. you're young, you're you know you're inexperienced. I just thought we'd see more bad decisions than this, and we haven't seen bad decisions. He's thrown. No, the ball he, had, away. he had a fumble uh, in the game, but it, and, you know he could have slid, and he and he said he should have because uh, he already had the first down when he fumbled. Um, but um, and and he, and he mishandled the snap. But those things are going to happen in the course of a game. I right. uh, still. Uh, you know, not throwing into coverage very often, not making bad throws, you know, throw or and really able to throw the ball away. And, you know, some of that helps that he, we've talked about his wiggle. We talked about that on the, on the video that he's able to escape some of the things and, and kind of extend plays. But then he does the right thing most of the time so far where he's, you know, uh, doesn't see an opening, he throws it away or doesn't try to force the issue, which and I think was that a big problem that plagued Ryan Willis where he would just try to do too much or lose himself in the moment and forget, you know, you can't take a sack for a loss of 10. You got to either get rid of the ball or, or do something. So, um, yeah, and, you know, you, you want to kind of give – you'd want, love to give um, the coaching staff truth serum to kind of be like, what happened in the preseason – where this wasn't the top quarterback, you know, it's like what, what was going on? What was Ryan showing? What was Hendon not showing? You know, uh, and you know, it's so hard when you don't see practice, and you know, you kind of, um, you know, you get tidbits, and you know, both are playing well, and and what that means. But yeah, he'd love to kind of revisit that, and I don't think we'll kind of get a clear answer because you know they they're going to protect their guys and not throw anybody under the bus. But certainly, I think you know. Since Will Hennon wasn't the starter at the start of the season, you figured he's still going to be a work in progress. But um, and that hasn't been the case. And this wasn't the easy part of the schedule either. You know, you, you right. put him in, and you have two FCS opponents. That's one thing. But he's come in here. You know, obviously have Rhode Island, but I mean the rest of it away at Miami, away, uh, you know, or at home with two ACC games, huge games. You know, that North Carolina game, first half he was huge. Um, you know, tough opponents, and and he's answered the call. Yeah, he really has. And, you know, the last time they honored somebody was the 1999 team <laughs> for the Duke game. And that went off the rails, as we all know. As I was That talking wasn't very f- much of a celebration, though, either, well, to be honest. Well, and, and I should mention to fans, like, we're going to have a Bud Foster section. You've been working very hard on it. Uh, what, how, how many words did you say that interview with Bud? I, did, I sat down for 7, a while 000. with Bud. Seven, it transcribed at 7,500-ish. Yeah. So there's plenty in there. Uh, I, I'll be writing... Well, a lot of words, at least. I will yeah. be writing a couple things on Bud for our special section, which is coming out for the final home game next week. Uh, Two but this Actually... Oh, yeah. yeah. Next week. Yeah. Not, a this, week from not Saturday, this Saturday, yeah, but yeah. next Saturday after that. Um, but I was doing some legwork on that, and I was talking to some fans... And fans were rightfully terrified that Bud Foster Day was going to be ruined by Wake Forest coming in there and pitching the ball around and scoring a bunch of points. And, uh, you know, and it would be the bittersweet day where you honor the man, but you also say, well, I can see why he's packing it up and leaving. Um, Well, that wasn't the case. I mean, the defense was fantastic. Um, The defense was great against Notre Dame uh, for most of that game. Uh, Bud got some heat for the last drive, but I mean that they put him in position to to win that game. Uh, certainly, given what Wake Forest had done offensively, the seventh ranked offense in the nation coming into this game to hold them to to seventeen points, 
just a banner day for Bud. First of all, what did you think of Bud Foster Day in terms of how they honored him? They did the best what they could because, um, you know, they're focused on the game, right? So they have a very limited amount of time. They have about 10 minutes to get that done. Um, Coach Fuente looked like, and I hate to say he wanted to be anywhere else but there because he's dying to get to his team and get everything set. And he gets real – he's very intense in the pregame and, and very focused. And, and Bud's the same way, but, I mean, he was emotional for him certainly. So I think they were limited with that. A lot of it was just, you know, video packages. Bud didn't speak to the crowd. They just had his family in the middle of the field. Um, you know, not the flashiest of celebrations. Um, you know, they had former players on the sidelines, but no one spoke. Um, you know, they aired a vi- they had showed a video on Twitter that they aired, I think, at halftime and ended up airing. So it was what it was. I mean, it was emotional for, for you know, they did they did the banner, which was, you know, a nice touch, um, you know, with the lunch pail on the banner instead of a jersey number. Um, it was a nice moment, but it also was weird, too, because, again, there's like a month left of the season, two months if you count the bowl game. So right. very strange. Um but, you know, it was his wish, too, partly because he didn't want to distract from senior day, even though Reggie Floyd, Ishmael you know. Cisse, Terrell Smith, Terrell Smith, who's hurt and was out for the season. Um, so, you know, not very many people to honor, but still. Um, so very strange. But at the same time, the players did take it personally, I think, that they didn't want to get embarrassed. You know, a Duke-like performance on Bud Foster Day would have been something fans remembered and tarnished Absolutely. sort of the uh, – the day, I, I mean, just completely, absolutely. You know, no one would have talked about Bud Foster Day if they gave up 500 yards. Right. Well, a Bud Foster column would have written itself, and I didn't write one because we had Berman there. He did a nice job of a Bud Foster Day type of story. You you included some Bud stuff in your lead story uh, that, that ran on the front of the sports section. I, I wrote about something else because I knew, we, you know, I don't want to do the Bud overkill, and I thought there were other things in this game that also warranted mention, which you also wrote about some other topics as well, which you can find all on Roanoke.com. But I wrote about the running game. And the reason I wrote about the running game is because this is the third time in four games that they've run for at least 200 yards. Basically since – Only – only happened this only happened once in Fuente's tenure other than this stretch. It was the beginning of 2017. And the, the exception was the Notre Dame game where Notre Dame basically said, we're not going to let you run. We're going to stack the box and, and make you throw with Patterson at, at quarterback. Uh, the, the other game, the Miami game, they ran for more than 150 yards. Uh, so since Hooker's been in there, they've run the ball better. Um, and we've kind of touched on it already when we were talking about Hooker. But I think we need to, to mention the offensive line here. I think we need to mention the fact that uh, – uh, you know, the, the McLeese has done a very nice job. I mean, McLeese, I wrote him off earlier this year, and, and that's that's my fault. I mean, I, well, I fans weren't upset when he went in the transfer portal. I don't no, think. I, I mean, was, they were. They, they, it was a, uh, you know, it, they didn't want to lose the depth, but it him, he, he he wasn't a guy that the fans were dreading. Like, oh, we don't have him. They weren't right. expecting him to be the top back or have that kind of production that he has at this point in the season. Yeah, and the feeling I had was, well, you need somebody new in there. You need Pocket Kings in there doing his thing. Um, but that wasn't the case. You needed a more cohesive effort out of everybody. You needed the offensive line to be better. You needed the quarterback to be a, a running threat uh, that, that's really opened things up in that part of the game. The fact that all four of their touchdowns, Tech's touchdowns on Saturday were, were scored on the ground and all originated from inside the 10-yard line. You know, that's a hard place. You know, a lot of times you settle for three because once the field shrinks, 
and you're not a good running team, you can't get in the end zone. You try a fade pattern or you try this or that uh, or the little dump over the middle to the tight end. But uh, they're just running the ball in that situation now, and it's working. And and something that's going to really open up down the road. I mean, if they had a fourth and one in week three, you're like, ah, punt it. <laughs> you know, like, and all the analytics say don't do that. But it was like Tech's just going to give the ball away because they can't get the yard. Well, and um, – you know, what's interesting is that they went for on fourth down three times. Mm-hmm. You know, fourth and two, I think, was all three times. Mm-hmm. And uh, what, successfully got it twice, and then the third time doesn't count. They got it, but it was an offsides penalty on um, on Wake. So uh, that wasn't, I think, something that Fuente, you know, Fuente said that was his strategy kind of coming in. But I don't know if that would have been on the table a couple of weeks ago uh, when you talked about this team didn't look like it could gain, you know, an inch. Um, let alone two yards. So I think that speaks to kind of what they're doing. And one thing you mentioned, the offensive line, you know, one thing I've been impressed about, even for freshmen, well, the lack of procedural penalties yes. that have set this team back, you know, not very many holdings. I, I can't remember, uh, you know, the last holding call that they've had. I mean, they had one offsides penalty. That was Austin Cannon um, um, on Saturday. They're not setting the team back, and they're kind of getting more pushed. So, I mean, it's kind of a combination. And I think the lack of negative plays all around, you know, combine that with McLeese, you know, he's not a guy that's very flashy. And he's not a guy that um, makes you think that he's just going to get those long runs or get you those kind of explosive plays. But not a lot of negative plays right now. And that's something that I think really held this team back. They were facing third and long so much in those first four weeks that – um, they just couldn't run the ball either. They just had no choice that they had to just kind of pass on those second, third, and long. So, uh, like you said, kind of a combination of things and, and amazing with, you know, they got two freshmen, um, uh, another redshirt freshman, Luke Tenuta now. Uh, looks like Silas Danzi is going to be out for a little while. Um, rotating in Austin Cannon as well. Um, you know, you thought they'd find chemistry, or what they have found is just kind of a group that um, – keeping them fresh has kind of been the the goal and 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 that's worked and um you know they always had size with tenuta is huge and so now uh it's a pretty imposing front um uh, you know i I, you can't say enough of just how much how young that group is with three freshmen technically yeah on there that that's doing this now yeah future looks bright there for sure and you know i asked fuente sort of about the holistic impact of a running game and he you know he look he's no dummy he knew they needed better running game earlier in the season he knew they needed a better running game last year he's talked about it quite a bit he's not he wasn't he didn't sound very confident in how to fix it but now that he has it he knows you know he knows what it does i mean it makes that defense better i mean dax hollyfield talked about that too he said look you could tell at the end of the game they were tired part of that is the time of possession differential yeah you start out keeping the defense on the field 9:30 to run the ball most yeah. of the time i mean that's going to wear you down and you know uh and one thing what has mentioned is it sounds simple but just head and hooker's presence mm-hmm with the, his the threat that he gives the you threat, yes it's, it doesn't have you know, to do anything and you just you, you have to play a little back or you have to be a little more careful so um kind of the the perfect mix they've found um and you know teams will start game planning for it so um you know they'll have to kind of keep coming up with different things but the offense looked completely different they were doing a lot of different stuff especially at the beginning side to side that i thought that they had tried the previous week and jet sweeps which has been the bane of the fans for you know weeks and weeks they're working now i mean because they're turner had the 50 yard run on it and then you can fake those and run up the middle and that works too and it's it's just 
it's fun to watch, man. It's it's fun to see this team kind of figure it out and, and really, uh, you know, become what we thought they ha- they could become offensively and and defensively. You know, Bud's group is doing its part. I mean, it, you know, ever since that Duke game, they've been better. And you know, they gave up a bunch of yards and points uh, against North Carolina, but. You know, since I mean they they've continued to improve, and that's what you want to see over the course of a season. You just, and that's why you know you just, you don't make coaching decisions in late September. Well, we did. We you said just, we said we both when we when we, we after that Duke game, we kind of had a, we had the podcast. We said, you know, so much could happen. It could fall. Everything could fall apart, and it'd be an obvious decision of what right. you have to do, or. It could be middle of the road and things, you know, he gets one more season to kind of work it out. <laughs> and it seems like, you know, if they close out this stretch, and that's kind of our next topic about expectations, that there's no hot seat. I mean, it's gone. You know, he's kind of built – he's kind of, you know, it was just a young team that needed time, and nobody wants to give anybody time anymore. You know, Frank Beaver probably wouldn't have made it after he had that setback, what, 1992 is when he had the bad year. Yeah, after there's a couple no years. chance he would have. And, and, you know, that just doesn't happen now. And Fuente – um, seemed destined to kind of have that bad season. He's kind of rescued it, but that just shows you the pressure there is that you can't – I mean, four bad weeks can get you fired. I mean, look, two coaching changes right now, right midseason, two guys that were there less than two years. Chad Morris at Arkansas at Florida State with Willie Taggart. They didn't even get two years. Right. How do you even – what do you even do? It's like they're not playing with their players. They're not doing – I mean, they're – it's totally a work in progress, and – you know, obviously, now the program was was doing well. I mean, Arkansas is a disaster, but I mean, you don't have any time right now to grow. And you know, Frank talked about that at the Hall of Fame when he was being inducted. He's like, I got lucky, you know, essentially that they stuck with me, and he's, you know, that um, they gave him time. Where you know, you, and Fuente didn't have time. He needed to work it out, and he did. But now you got these three games left uh, at Georgia Tech, home Pittsburgh, at Virginia. Uh, bowl, bowl predictions are all over the place. Some people have Virginia going to the Orange Bowl, which is crazy as it sounds, is, is a possibility. Um, win out and you go to the Coastal. I think they could lose this Georgia Tech game and still make the Coastal Championship. Uh, I mean the ACC Championship. Where do you sort of where are you leaning at the 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 outlook with three weeks to go? And it's hard because this team prognosticating with this team is like the is fool's like fool's errand. Yeah, it's tough. Um, but I've been saying all year I thought this was the year that Virginia is going to beat Virginia Tech. And, I mean, look, obviously the, the line was going to – if you set that line in, in late September, it's probably 10 points. You know, it's at it, least it, a touchdown. At, at least yeah. a touchdown. And, you know, only the only thing bringing it down some is the fact that Tech's won 15 of them in a row and just right. people are going to uh, stick with that until until it changes. But now if you ask me today, that's a pick em. That's a That's a – that's a uh, – to me – of coin flip. I think Virginia still be favored by Vegas, but in my mind, it's a coin flip. Um, I think these two games before that, uh, you know, Texas five and a half point favorite in this one, they'll be favored against Pitt. Um, Pitt's always a tough out for Virginia Tech, so I don't think it's a gimme, but look, they, they, they've put themselves in position to control their own fate here. And that's all you could ask in the quote unquote AD, which they're using is after Duke uh, uh, time frame that they've established. And, that's what they wanted to do is try to put themselves in an, in a position where you know it doesn't matter what uh, you know Miami does it doesn't matter what Pitt, Pitt does when it's not playing Virginia Tech it doesn't matter what Virginia does you you got it all in your own hands uh, and you know it's it's a, it's crazy to me to think that Virginia doesn't have any ACC games left except for that Tech game 
That's that's whack, whack. Yeah, that's cr- crazy. But um, so obviously, if Tech loses two, they're done. They can't win. Um, if they lose to Virginia, they can't win because Virginia uh, would have uh, the tiebreaker. Would have the, well, they just would have fewer losses. They yeah. have two losses, so they only have two, right? And I think they're uh, they're five and they're five and two. So you know, Tech winning would make them five and three. So um, yeah, I mean, I think anything's possible now, um, and uh, that's amazing to say at this juncture. After the podcast, I mean, go back and listen to those podcasts from September, and you'll you'll laugh about what we're t- what we're talking about now. But that's a credit but we to did everyone in that brakes. locker room. We did pump the brakes on the hot seat discussion, we did. and we, uh, did. we didn't go that far. But we did say uh, it could be um, it could go either way, and you know, you didn't know. Look, that team folded. I mean, there's no. I mean, the reason it's AD after Duke is because the team folded. I mean, the right. team just was terrible. So uh, that was a delineation point because not because. Oh, we were two and two. We want to do better. It was because they were disaster and bottomed out, and were at risk of things going very, very badly. And they looked um, bad in their victories too. Yeah, they didn't. I mean, yeah. look, Furman twenty four seventeen. Old Dominion came back. Was in that game yeah. uh, for too long. Um, look, I said going back you know, to that Duke. I said the only game they'd be favored in, you know, at that time with the way they were playing, would be Georgia Tech. And I mean, I still think they'd have to really have a disaster and lay an egg to lose this one. I, I mean, I, I think. Um, you know, we'll get to predictions, but I've always said this was the George Tech's played people tough, but I, I just can't see it. The next two, uh, I think, you know, you win two out of three. How can you not be happy from where the team was? But now fans, I think, are going to say we need I, I think they'd be fine if it was two out of three and they beat Virginia, mm-hmm. to be honest. I, I don't think I, and I mean, I'm, that might get them in the, the uh, ACC championship still, um, uh, depending on how what Pitt does. But um I think fans are going to struggle if they lose to Virginia now. With the way the team's playing now and kind of what the ceiling they see of this team, I think anything less, which is shocking considering they would have probably taken 500 three weeks ago. Now I think they want nine wins or eight wins with the Virginia win. Well, and you see Virginia setting it all up. I mean, they got they got a bye and they got a Liberty. They should be plenty rested. They've moved their basketball I wouldn't game. Even, Did you see that? Yeah, I saw Move their basketball game against – uh, North Carolina to that Sunday after the ACC title game, as opposed to that Saturday, uh, in, perhaps in anticipation of having their fans, you know, go down to that uh, to Charlotte and, and cheer on Virginia. So they're feeling good about themselves, and they should. Um, but you know, that brings us, I guess, to Georgia Tech because Georgia Tech played them pretty well. Uh, that was a close game in Charlottesville last weekend. Um, it seems like Georgia Tech is is gradually becoming more and more competitive. Um, than than it started out as being, or as most people thought they would be this year. What can you give us a snapshot of Georgia Tech? What what, are, what kind of challenges they pose? Well, they got uh, James Graham at quarterback, um, and they've struggled passing the ball this season. And, and and as you would expect, with a team that ran the triple option and is has talent all over the place that wasn't wasn't where they envisioned. Uh, you know, Je- Jeff Collins took over, uh, former Temple coach, uh, defensive coordinator, kind of got his, cut his teeth in the uh, SEC. Um, have abandoned obviously the triple option, which is something that Tech has struggled with. Uh, what the full decade basically that uh, Paul Johnson was there, um, and so now, you know, Tech's weakness as a te- as a defense, not individually, because I, I asked about this today. That you know, Caleb Farley and Jermaine Wall are pr- having pretty good seasons as defensive backs, but the team's statistics are pretty dreadful passing defense wise. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, Coach Foster said that's more of a team thing that you know we just fail as a team, kind of. Um, in past defense, but this is a team, Georgia Tech, that doesn't throw the ball well, uh, 
James Graham's numbers reflect that. He's only completed 47% of his passes, has five interceptions. So this should be a game. You know, when you looked at Wake on paper, that was scary for what the team, how they matched up offensive to defense. This team shouldn't, shouldn't be a threat. Well, you say that, and kind of everything's always been flipped with Virginia Tech this season, so who knows. But um, have played better, have not given up, even though it's kind of a very bad season for them, and they knew this was going to be a transition year. Uh, the expectations were very low, and they've probably <laughs> gone lower than that. But, um, you know, you can't overlook them. I think it's a good thing that the Virginia game is two weeks away because they still got Pittsburgh, so it's not like you can kind of look at that and say we gotta we got to just get through this. Um, uh, so I, I think it's a good matchup for Virginia Tech. Yeah, I do too. I think I think you hit on all the, the major points there. And, you know, Bud talked about it today. I wasn't at the press conference, but you were there and – you know, he, he was asked about uh, you know, not having to face Paul Johnson. He's like, yeah, I probably should. I was probably the first one to call Paul and congratulate him yeah. on, the, you know, retiring um, because they, they it was a headache. And it did get it. We've talked about it here, but, you know, it got in Fuente's head, that whole the option, the ball hogging nature of that that offense. You know, he would make decisions that he wasn't making in other weeks because, he felt like uh, similar to last week that he had to hold on to the ball or else he was going to get beat. And um, I don't think that they feel that way this time. I, I don't going in. It's more of a, just a standard game, a standard matchup where you try to stop the, well, run the young defense. That's trying to, you know, you spend what nine weeks learning one thing and then you have to learn something completely right. different for one week. And you've got guys that have never faced it before. They're, they're, they're young last year and they just, I mean, it just fell apart. Um, in the pre- in the uh, media guy or uh, press notes, they had the score flipped. <laughs> Virginia Tech winning that game, forty nine twenty eight. That was very wishful thinking. Um, that was a bad loss. Uh, I mean, uh, Georgia Tech just literally ran. Oh, I, I mean, that is as one sided of a offensive. I mean, they only attempted one pass. They didn't complete a pass. Mm. Uh, and how often do you see that? Um, so yeah, I think that this game. You know, they. I think they break it out from time to time because they still have all those athletes that they've had to move around. Uh, you know, they didn't have a tight end on the roster. You know, they had all these offensive linemen. They had all the and they were blocking different. You know, they had what I think twelve or ten to twelve running backs, mm-hmm. and they had to find a place for them. So, um, yeah, you lose this one, that'd be a real big disappointment. Yeah, that that is the one thing about Georgia Tech. They're always going to be athletic. You know, they're always yeah. going to have that home run potential, whether it's a pass or a run, uh, where they get an open field and and goodbye. Uh, so that's something that you know has bitten Tech in the past, and uh, Virginia Tech, I should say, since we're well, talking Tobias about Tobias Oliver tests. last year carried it forty times for two hundred fifteen yards and three touchdowns last year, and he was one of the people in that that triple option. Um, and so he's you know that's not he's out wide now, so um, he, you know he's passed a little bit. They have him moving around, uh, but so you're you're glad you're not seeing him kind of as that three headed monster. So um, yeah, and, and the line reflects that they're. Five and a half. It's been six at some places now. Gone, kind of gone up a little bit. Um, so, yeah, you just gotta get. I mean, then this makes them bowl eligible. Gets that, I think, monkey off their back a little bit because that kind of has, I think, been something that's kind of challenged this team. That you have the weight of that, mm-hmm. um, and you don't need that. I think with Virginia added on, if they lose the next two or something, to make it all, all for all the marbles. I think you just a young team would play tight. So. Get that out of the way, then go to pit, uh, you know, or host pit. Um, 
the schedule sets up pretty nicely for this team. I it mean, does. It does. And, and, you know, nobody wants a bowl game more than Wit, who would look silly. If, you know, the reason they didn't make a bowl game is because they had two FCS teams because of right, the Right, because of the schedule. People will lose stuff. their minds. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, well, let's get to our pick three, and then we'll, get, we'll circle back for predictions at the end. All uh, right, pick three. I was gonna do. I was gonna do like a very Disney Plus centric that launched today the streaming service, um, but I, I got to mention this. The sto- have you read the story on the Dion Waiters? Uh, we took a gummy bear or something. He ate an edible on the plane, had a panic attack, and then got. Th- <laughs> That's just a fantastic story. I I want to know like, did he accidentally eat the gummy? Did he think he was eating a real gummy, or did he purposely have the gummy and have a bad reaction? Because I mean, like, let's be honest, he probably has. Had a, had some marijuana in the past. Right? I think his story was he had an upset stomach, and this was supposed to help him help his stomach. That makes no. S- so he got bad medical advice. Uh, I don't know. But I, that's I, a fantastic. That's a fantastic <laughs> element too. Like so he like um, <laughs> you know it's just it it was such a fun story. I mean obviously a scary moment for him, but I mean he was fine. Everybody's fine. But to get on a team plane, as, you know, probably a smaller charter flight, and to just like have apparently a panic attack. I mean, in the air. I mean, I know people have had panic attacks without edibles on on flights. Mm-hmm. And could you imagine just being out of your mind and not knowing any difference and just like, I mean, because, and that's funny because the other day, the other week we flew um, to uh, Chicago and somebody on the plane behind me, they're like talking and I can hear their conversation. And the, wo- the woman's talk- telling her husband, she's like, see all the people, they're very small, very little. Right. And I was like, what have this like and they're like in their seventies and I'm like, what is going on? Did he have an edible? But it was that person actually at the end of the flight, they announced that that was his first time flying. So she was trying to explain to him and keep him calm that this was all normal. Although I don't really understand how he didn't understand that we were up in the air and people would be smaller. (laughs) But but so now imagine that guy having an edible and not knowing what the hell was going on in the flight. Uh, It was just it, it that story tickled me, I guess. <laughs> okay. Well, if we're, we're hitting on other spo- uh, sports, I'll go with my first one. Uh, you may not like this, but I think I'm going to have to listen to that NASCAR race on the way home on Sunday because that's the final race of the year. I'll be sleeping. Then. Okay. <laughs> I know you're not a NASCAR fan, but three Joe Gibbs, uh, including the Virginian Denny Hamlin, are, are among the um, the final four. So, uh, you know, I, I watched. What do they, the do? they just go like they roll it around. Yeah, they, who there's four there's four guys basically whoever finishes the best in this last race. No, but like on a radio announcing it, like it's oh, like, what you is know the, what? That's that. I'm glad you asked because that is one of the most impressive things you'll ever hear is those guys calling NASCAR races. Is it exciting? They, they have them. You know, positioned at every turn, and they just pass it off. And and the 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 chemistry. And the detail that they provide without breaking stride is just really, really impressive to me, the, the way they can do that. I'm hoping with Sirius XM Radio we'll be able to listen to And, of course, we'll be driving through the Deep South. So, I mean, we'll not the Deep Deep South, but we'll be driving through the South. So, it shouldn't be hard to find them. I'm not going to knock them. I just can't imagine that that would carry my interest. Like, hey, he's still leading. Hey. He's still in the lead. All right, well, give it, give hey. it, give it fifteen minutes uh, of listening just to that'll be, just to appreciate sure. the craft. That'll be fifteen more minutes than I've ever given it. So <laughs> um, it'll be a first. All right, so the last two will be Disney Plus related. So Disney Plus is the new streaming service. Uh, Netflix, uh, a la Disney, um, just launched today. Um, having all sorts apparently technical problems like it's just not usable uh, for people but when you're up at four in the morning and it launches early when no one is expecting it it works fantastic so i got to get in there i saw the mandalorian which is the 
kind of the cream of the crop offering. It's the new Star Wars originals live action series uh, about a bounty hunter. Um, first episode, they don't they're not launching their seasons like Netflix where it's everything at once. It was just one episode, forty minutes. Um, so very quick. Um, I liked it. I liked it better than some of the the, the recent movies. Um, had a cool western vibe. Uh, by uh, John Favreau who did uh, Iron Man and Swingers and um, uh, some of the new uh, live action in quotes Disney movies like the Jungle Book redo and stuff but um, uh, you know I'm going to hold out a full review until we get a couple more episodes because things could go either way but uh, kind of a throwback and, and, and very uh, good vibes from it and enjoyed it but it was very brief so 40 minutes worth your time if you can get in and sign up for the app Okay, all right. Uh, my second one, John Means, my guy, Baltimore Orioles Southpaw, runner-up for American League Rookie of the Year. In a season of woe, he was a bright spot. You know, He wasn't going to beat Jordan Alvarez, who set all sorts of rookie records with his home run hitting prowess for Houston. But, man, Means was great. He, every fifth day you had a reason to really watch an Orioles game closely. Was one more reason than you had oh. all year. Well, I'll do a quick story, quick gambling story. I was in Atlantic City, and I walked up to the sports book, and I told the lady, and I didn't say anything else. I just said, I want to put $100 on the worst team in baseball. And she said, well, they do have means going tonight. <laughs> and I was like, wow. So, one, you knew who the worst team in baseball is. Because the sports book, when it first opened, it was a, you know, it was a real ham and egg operation, as, as Al Grove would say. <laughs> but it, it's, uh, now they have very knowledgeable people working there. And, uh, and he came through. They won. They beat the Rays that night. It was like $100 paid like $280, including my 100 back. So it was, it was worked a ni- nice out that night. Nice win, yeah. No, I was playing poker, winning there, and yeah, it was it was the complete opposite of Harris Joliet. <laughs> All right, um, well. Number three, so this is my, I, I haven't watched this one yet, but I'm very interested. So the, the one of the other original shows is a show on the Imagineering team, the people behind the scenes of the theme parks, like that design mm-hmm. the theme parks, and that just seems just like a fascinating world. Yeah. Um, they're going back all the way to like the early days to kind of show some of that stuff and kind of a peek behind the curtain. And as a journalist and somebody who likes asking questions and, and learning about things, and uh, very interested to see that uh, when we have some. There's still one episode at a time, so have to go slow but i, I really want to watch that and and kind of see because i mean they're the you know obviously walt disney is the cream of the crop when it comes to theme park experience and and world building and those people are you know have minds that are just you know impressive to me and just kind of excited to see uh some of that so that's one of the other original series that's up there uh the first episode was released but haven't watched it yet but i'm very excited about it well i'm, I'm very big into self-development books and and audio books and of course the Disney model is central to some of the many of those themes about how to try to build your life, you know, yeah. and dream big and think big and uh, be creative and all those things. So, yeah, that w- that sounds like an interesting um, series. Uh, my third one, this is kind of random, but if you could eat one thing, like you were going to die and you your last meal, what would you what would you order? Taking a turn. Um <laughs> I mean, it would probably be a sort of st- uh, probably. Um, I mean, I don't want it to be my last meal. I want to. I want to keep going. But um, st- you know, uh, uh, surf and turf. Get everything I want. You know, like steak, crab legs, and lobster. Probably the hit the hit the trifecta with some French fries and. Sure. No, that's a good choice. That's some a good whiskey. Choice. I would go with queso fundido. 
it, which has to be the worst thing in the world for it's just queso with Mexican sausage chorizo in it yeah. and comes with chips and it, so you just have chips it's and probably dip? I would eat I would eat a cauldron of it. Why what does it have to be your last meal? Why can't it be like? Well, because it's so unhealthy that it probably is going to be my last meal anyway. Uh, I had some yesterday. It's been a while since it, my my son loves it. Um, so we usually have to order two if we go out with my son because he's not going to share. That's all he eats. Right. And um, so, um, but it's just so damn good, and it goes so well with a Dos Equis, a nice, tall, amber Dos Equis draft. I mean, it's just it's the perfect pairing. Um, <laughs> and and I'm, I'm sad that the, the Hokies have not played many noon games lately, because usually I can get some queso fundido after the game down at uh, sure. El Mariachi, but um, it, it, this time, we, we went to Texas Roadhouse the other night, though. That was night. Berman and I. I missed, I didn't get my invite, I guess. Uh, yeah, we weren't planning, we were just going to go to Sheets, but I was like, hey, they're open until 11. And so uh, we went over there. Yeah, sorry about that. But, yeah, we might do that again if they play another 330 game for Pitt, which we don't know the time yet on that. Yeah, they executed a six-day hold, so um, we'll find out on Monday. All right, so prediction time. All right, you want me to go first? I'll go first. first. Okay. Uh, I'm going to take the Hokies here. I'm going to go 35-21. Fairly fairly comfortable cover. Conservative. Um. Conservative in what way? And just that, that you know, keep Hokies kept in check a little bit, not blow out. I mean, it's two possessions. Yeah. Uh, look, I just have a feeling that they're just going to win this one by a lot. And they'll probably lose then. So I'm going to go with, <laughs> um, let's go with 17 for Georgia Tech. Same Wake Forest score. And we'll go, we'll go 41. 41 17. 41. Wow. That, people would they, feel. They, they, they got revenge on their minds from last year. Um, no triple option. You know they're going to want to get to Vortex afterwards and have have a good hamburger. Vortex. Have you ever been to Vortex in in Atlanta? There's two of them. No. It's very good. Okay. Is that any any relation to the Varsity? It's not. No, that's the varsity is the varsity. Okay. Uh, vortex yeah. is the vortex. So I think the varsity. One of the entrances of the, one of the vortex is a giant skull. It's very intimidating. Cool. Yeah, I think the uh, the varsity is a little overrated. Um, yes, in, in terms of uh, yes. just quality, it's uh, I, it is fun to hear them scream. What do you have? What do you have? But other than that, like no, the, food, it's not, it's not the food doesn't really pay off very much. Well, have they beaten Georgia Tech under Fuente? They lost the last three, so, so no, be no. Um, and you know, it's so it's it is. It's like that. You know, it's like uh, Mendenhall with with Pitt. You know, they had to go and do that. They hadn't beaten them under under Mendenhall, and so there was that underlying, you know, what could go wrong, will go wrong feeling. Um, but I think now that the option is gone, that that feeling, you know, it just does it doesn't feel like the same franchise. You know, it doesn't feel like the same program. Um, so, and then you know, I like covering games at Georgia Tech, the outdoor press box, and all that. I, you know, you get you get a good feel for the vibe in the stadium. I did not but know they had an outdoor press box. They do. So pa- pack a coat. I'm not sure how cold it's going to be. But so is it just open, or is it literally? It's it's open. It's and it's not like um, Virginia's where they have heat lamps over uh, over you. Uh, it can get kind of chilly if in the late in the year. Um, so especially when once night falls. Uh, but yeah, it's just out outside and it's nice. Um, That's one thing when we like expectations. The one thing I don't want to happen is them to go to the pinstripe bowl. I do not want to sit outside. 
Oh yeah, I guess we would have. To. They don't have an indoor press box at it's the outdoor, Yankee Stadium. It's open, yeah, open air. Oh really? I think so. That that seems that seems like it would be foolish just for October baseball and. In, maybe, but in, I thought they. I thought people. Yeah, they had it open. But maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I'd like to go to Yankee Stadium, but you know my feelings on big cities. I mean, I'd, I'd prefer. It's cold. I don't yeah, I'd cold. prefer uh, other places for sure. Warmer, warmer climates. That Orange Bowl idea sounds pretty good. That's not bad. Yeah, no, I, I like that. <laughs> there, that will, there will be no... You know, uh, we should say uh, the um, uh, the other prediction a lot of people have is Wake. But Wake, I don't know if you saw this, Sage Surratt is out for the season now. I didn't see that. Yeah, so um, they are... And Scotty Washington, who didn't play in that game, is hurt, and I, they don't know when he's coming back. So that, <laughs> that loss... And they have Clemson. So um, uh, not a good... Not Did a the good Hokies stretch. get some votes... They did, they did. Yeah, okay, got some votes. Yeah, because it's the highest ranked team. It's not, right. Yeah, it's not so. just the you know the coastal winner. You know, right. So, it's the highest ranked team. Uh, they would have to probably play Clemson well in the title, but we're getting the cart in front of the horse there. But we'll we'll keep talking about. But Wake it. is one of the teams that'll be up there for the Orange Bowl and yeah. and, and that discussion. And so, but uh, you know, with losing some of their their you know basically two best two of their three best players. I mean, that's uh, that's really tough. And Saints Rot, very very good. Uh, you know. Hoagie's did a nice job with him, but um, he was very impressive. What's Virginia's ranked, right? They're just others receiving votes. Right oh, they're now. just oh, okay. See, I, I was thinking, okay, what if they beat Liberty really bad, right? Like they like they should, and then and then the Hokies beat them in a close game, but the Virginia's ranked higher than the Hokies, so Virginia. Goes I don't think to I don't think they I don't think people would do that if they if they got if they lost to Clemson. I think Virginia Tech would still be ranked higher. The the question mark would be Wake. Because if they closed out at then eight and, or uh, nine and three, yeah. and didn't play, but you know he could match up who loses to Clemson less, right? Because they have Clemson now, so right. Um, but we'll see. So yeah, like I said, a lot of games we played. Heck, they could lose all three, and then we won't go anywhere. So who knows? <laughs> That's a nice way. To, nice way. Do, to, right? Nice way to end this thing. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll be back next week to break it all down for you. Uh, thanks for tuning in this week. For Mike Nizolik, this is Aaron McFarlane. We will see you next time.